Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be, however you might be listening, welcome to episode number 90 of What's Up Tuscany, the only English language podcast made by real Tuscans and dedicated to anyone around the world that has a special place in his heart for our beloved homeland. Every Friday we try to kickstart your weekend the right way by telling you the stories of the people that made this land so unique. If you love Italy, its art, culture, food and history, follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, we have a world of stories to tell you. If you have the misfortune of living in continental Europe, you might have noticed that in the last few days the temperatures are going absolutely berserk, driving the entire continent insane. I know it might be difficult to believe, but air conditioning is not at all common in our neck of the woods, even before you had to open a second mortgage on your home to pay your utility bills. All the people like my father believed that it wasn't good for your health, while others thought that using AC wasn't manly. When it's warm, you should just stuff it out and carry on as it was nothing. What is the acceptable solution? Take your family, pack the car and move somewhere fresher either a place by the sea or a village on a hill where it's supposed to be less humid and more windy. Your host did just that a few days ago, but this time the trick didn't really work. Sure, we're not constantly above 40 degrees Celsius like in the rest of Europe, but it's still freaking hot, especially when the breeze dies down. Why am I here wasting your valuable time talking about the weather? Have we run out of things to say about Tuscany? Fret not, my dear friends, we have lots of arrows left in our quiver. I just wanted to explain to you why in the next few weeks the episodes of our little podcast won't be as long and as complex as usual. Putting together a 25 to 30 minutes scripted show is not easy, it takes a lot of time and effort, something that becomes increasingly difficult when you are dissolving into a puddle of sweat and are trying desperately to stay hydrated. That's why we will be telling you those stories that we found uh, a bit too limited to fill a single episode. Hopefully, you will find them as interesting as the others we covered in the past year and a half. In order to tell you the first of these summer stories, we will have to go up to the mountains that separate Tuscany from Romagna, to a very special place whose curious features have originated many interesting legends. This week, What's Up Tuscany brings you near the Raticosa Pass to learn the tale of a curious saint and how his race with the devil originated this legend. Plenty of interesting stuff as always, so please make sure to stay until the end of the episode. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. The setting of this tale could hardly be more charming. We're a few miles away from the border with Emilia-Romagna, a place high in the Apennini that remains colorful and vibrant despite the long drought and the high temperatures. 
driving on a small road towards Piancaldoli, you can see in the distance, uh, against an impossibly blue sky, a rather weird mountain, way darker than the others, that seems a bit out of place in this harmonious environment. The rock was so different that geologists believed that it was a very large meteor, until the claim was disproved. It's just a fragment of oceanic basalt that was formed 150 million years ago at the bottom of the Mediterranean and has migrated slowly to this place way up in the mountain. Not too far away, you can see another big rock, broken apart by the injuries of father time and sister weather. The contrast between the blue and white tint of one and the green and violet streaks of the other is quite peculiar, enough to give rise to one of the most curious legends of the Tuscan mountains. People of Mugello called the Green Mountain Sasso di San Zanobi and the bluish one Sasso della Mantesca. The two mountains would have been the result of a legendary race between a famous holy man and none other than Lucifer himself. Before talking about this race, allow me to tell you why the holy man was so revered and appreciated by the people of this remote area. San Zanobi or Zenobio was an important priest of the 5th century that became the Bishop of Florence and played a key role in the many convulsions of the late Roman Empire. People in Florence haven't forgotten about him and his image can be found in many places in town, from the statue on the facade of the Duomo to many paintings from famous artists such as Botticelli. Saint Zanobi lived in very complicated times and had to adapt to them, becoming a lot more feisty than most of his colleagues in Saintoot. Aside from founding many churches in the Tuscan capital, including San Lorenzo, Florence Apostle was a leader in the fight against the Arian heresy and the army of Radegast, Goth warlord that brought infinite misery in Italy before being ultimately defeated by the army of Stilico, the Vandal general that saved Rome several times. The Bishop of Florence was very active in the fight against heresy and the evangelization of the remote areas of the interior, especially the mountains, which explains why he spent a lot of time in Mugello. When he finally went to meet his maker on January 26, 426, he had one last miracle for the faithful of his city. When his body was being moved from the San Lorenzo Basilica to the Church of Santa Riparata, the city cathedral at the time, it randomly touched an elm tree that people had been considering dead for years. The old tree miraculously blossomed immediately, making a huge impression on anyone that was there. Florentines decided to commemorate this miracle by raising a column with the image of the holy man that can be seen to this day in front of the north gate of the Battistero. Every year, precisely at 11 a.m. of January the 26th, a solemn procession celebrates the last miracle of San Zanobi. What has the holy man got to do with a strange rock up in the Appennini? Get in there, folks, a bit of patience. In the year 394, the Bishop of Florence was heading north to meet the famous and powerful Bishop of Milan, Sant'Ambrogio. Considering he was in no particular rush, he stopped frequently to preach to the local population, rife with paganism and sympathy for the Arian heresy. Someone wasn't particularly happy about this, a certain fallen angel that loved the fact that this place was a bit of a mess. When he got to the top of the Ospedaletto Pass, Lucifer showed up and challenged the holy man to a race. Both would have taken the biggest rock they could carry and tried to climb the hill starting from the Idica river below. Whoever would have lasted longer would have won the contest. Saint Zanobi wasn't particularly happy when the devil said what was the prize for the race, the souls of all the people that live up those mountains. 
The holy man was all too aware that he had no chance to win an endurance race with the King of Hell, which is why he sent a Hertford player to the big man upstairs. God Almighty was happy to oblige, sending a clever curse on the race. Every step that Lucifer walked, the boulder became heavier, while things for the holy man went exactly the opposite way. The massive rock carried by the devil became quickly unbearable, forcing the fallen angel to throw it away with rage. The boulder broke apart, dispersing in the Sillaro Valley, where it became known as the Sasso della Mantesca, or Devil's Rock. Saint Zanobi had absolutely no problem to carry his rock to the top of the hill, where he let it go. The boulder fell and just sit there, on top of this previous rock, its color forever reminding everyone that it didn't belong there. The devil had no other choice but to leave the holy man free reign in the area where he worked tirelessly to convert everyone to the true faith. The souls of the people of Mugello were saved, which explains why they never forgot the holy man that fought for their salvation. The rock had been sitting there, dark, untouched, for centuries, when people called it Pietra Mora, or the Dark Rock, with its triangular shape that welcomes everyone that comes from the Raticosa Pass on his way to the valleys of Mugello. The Sasso di San Zanobi in the past was much larger and more impressive, but people had been using it for centuries as a quarry to get building materials. The last big injury happened during the Second World War, when the Allied forces mined it massively to get enough gravel to repair the roads of the area, necessary to keep frontline troops fully equipped. The impact of the war on the area was very significant, pretty much wiping away the last vestiges of the buildings that were built in the past centuries to celebrate the famous saint. On top of the Sasso there was a small castle and a church dedicated to Saint Zanobi, mentioned for the first time in an imperial edict by Frederick II in the year 1220. The place wasn't very significant from a military point of view so much that it was first sold to the Ubaldini family and then to the Republic of Florence in the year 1326. After realizing that to keep such a remote fortress active would have cost a mighty amount of money, the city government decided to get rid of it only six years later. The church that was built on the slopes of the mountain fared a lot better. In the year 1513 it was moved to the nearby parish of Bordignano, but in the later centuries there were less and less people living in this scenic but not very rich neck of the woods. In the year 1847, when the Florence Archdiocese ordered the census of all the places of worship, St. Zenobis Church is incited, a clear sign that it had been demolished in the past. People of Mugello were still very interested in celebrating their own saint, enough to convince the nearby parish to build on the ruins of the ancient church a small chapel. Every year, until the massive depopulation of the mountains after the Second World War, people of Tuscany and Romagna gathered in the small chapel at the foot of the Sasso for a pretty popular festival. A solemn procession would leave the church of St. Mary in the nearby town of Caburaccia, with the statue of the saint leading the way. In the afternoon, after a communal meal on the mountain, there would be a preacher narrating the life and miracles of the Florentine saint to the faithful. What miracles would he be talking about? People of Mugello still tell the tale of how St. Zenobi, while preaching the gospel, noticed how the feet of many of the peasants were in a very sorry state full of cuts and bruises. When he asked why, the villagers told them that the area had been infested by a particularly troublesome plant, the bilumaca a bush that gave some small, tasty fruit, but it was full of very painful thorns. 
In order to satiate their hunger, many were forced to step on them, subjecting themselves to the supplice in order not to die. Saint Zenobi was so moved by their plight to bless this plant. From that day, not only did the bushes lose the thorns, but the fruits became a delicacy for sheep and goats. Shepherds looked for the saint's bushes regularly as having their herds eat from them would give the milk some special quality. Some say it's thanks to this plant that the goat cheese of the Mugello mountains is so good. Looking around right now, in our very secular time, it's difficult to believe that this place was once full of believers, but their presence left a mark on the area. Mountain lovers are fond of this part of Mugello for the peace and serenity you can breathe around. The few people that live around here seem to be living at a different pace, taking their time to enjoy life and the many little pressures that it can bring. It might not be the fanciest part of Tuscany, but I would advise you to come see with your own eyes. Saint Zenobi is long gone, but the people of Mugello still know how to treat visitors with kindness and warmth. You also get great views and amazing food. Not bad for a day trip, don't you think? That was all for this week. We really hope that you liked our little trip in this special part of Tuscany and the tale of how a holy man made it so special. Let us know if you like this kind of shorter episodes, more to the point than usual. You can either get in touch on social media or send us an email. Our address is podcast at larno.it, podcast at larno.it. Thanks in advance for your help, it's the only way for us to grow. I'm still your friendly neighborhood host, Luca Bocci. If you wish so, I will see you next week for another episode of What's Up Tuscany, the only English language podcast made by real Tuscans and dedicated to anyone around the world that loves our amazing homeland. Thanks for getting to the end of the episode. Thanks for listening and goodbye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.